So does your career energize you with life or does it drain you? Recent Gallup polls show that a whopping 70% of us feel disengaged in the workplace. There's just gotta be a better way. Welcome to our authentic careers where it is my job to uncover the ideas and strategies that can help you become better aligned with your career. I'm your host, Gert Sabar, and I interview people like you and me about the twists and turns in their career paths so that we can all achieve greater clarity, meaning, and fulfillment in ours. And on this week's podcast, we are talking about the gut, our gut instincts, and this seemingly simple, but in reality, really difficult idea of paying close attention to what those instincts are actually telling us. As you'll soon hear, this week's guest and former colleague of mine, Alison Slotnick, seems to have mastered the art of listening to hers, having relied heavily on her gut instincts to move her into one job and out of the next throughout her career. And I love that Allison's journey focuses our attention on that because that is perhaps one of the most potent tools we have in our arsenal. Interestingly, Allison's was fine-tuned by something her dad told her early on in her career, which he shared with me after we spoke, and that is that you can love a job, but it will never love you back. Cynical, perhaps, but it very much helped her build her confidence to jump ship and listen to her gut instincts throughout the years. So to hear more, without further ado, please allow me to introduce you to Allison Slotnick. Question number one for you, Allison. Um, do you ever think about the concept of purpose or mission or what it is uh, I'm meant to be doing here on this planet? I definitely do. I think it's changed a lot over the course of my career and kind of as I've, as I've grown. I think early on, I thought my purpose is to kind of make a difference in, you know, maybe friends and family's lives and be successful in my career. And right. I think success meant to me, make money, get promoted. I always had this vision, I was going to have a Blackberry. And I thought that was the sign of success. <laughs> Uh, and now I think it's definitely changed to be purpose is a little bit more personal to the friends and family and the, the work makes you happy, but it's not the end goal. It's not the be all and end all. Yeah. And so how are you defining this idea of purpose to yourself? What is that thing you're telling to yourself? I think the thing that I tell myself is, especially as it relates to work and more recently is. Now that I have several years under my belt, um, trying to make a difference in especially like junior staffers, that's kind of something that's become a real passion for me Um, and trying to impart a little of perspective. I know starting out of my career, I think I I lacked that and I was very focused on end goals that weren't necessarily going to make you happy at the end of the day. So trying to, to mentor a bit more has really made my day-to-day career fulfilling um, and given me that sense of purpose. When did you first realize that this idea of mentoring folks is something that's, um, that's enlivening? I think I was really fortunate that even early on, I'd say probably like two years into my career, I was given an intern to manage and that was a great experience. And 
I realized that I like that I'm an only child. So maybe it was a little of me projecting not having a sibling and (laughs) trying to forge that relationship. Um, But I realized that I was prioritizing that a lot as part of my day-to-day responsibilities. And then probably within the last four to five years, as I've been given more responsibility with larger teams, um, I know something that I've made a really key priority for me is carving out the time to make sure I'm really touching base with them. I'm getting to know them professionally and understanding what makes them tick to help kind of drive their growth. Um, and I, you know, I've kept in touch with pretty much everyone I've managed. Um, and some of them I brought on with me in new, new positions and that's just really fulfilling to me. Yeah, and Allison, if you were to describe what that fulfillment feels like, any thoughts? That's a really good question. Um, I think it just makes me, it makes me feel like I've done something to, not to help better someone else, but I mean, in my day-to-day job, I'm not curing cancer. Um, I'm not saving the world by any means. Uh-huh. So it makes me feel like I'm, actually making an impact on on someone's life a bit um, and helping guide them and making them feel like they have someone they can go to in this crazy path who understands them because a lot of times your family and friends don't necessarily understand what you're doing when you come into the workplace. Yeah, yeah. So would you say it's a sort of a feeling of deep satisfaction? Yeah, I definitely, um, I get that sense of deep satisfaction. It makes me, it makes me feel like I'm spending my time well and um, I can be proud at the end of the day of what I'm doing. And Allison, for the benefit of the listeners, can you tell me what it is that you do today? Sure. Um, today, I am a senior manager of customer insights um, at Hudson's Bay, which is kind of the, the holding company for SACS. Uh, Austin, Lord and Taylor, and Gilt. Uh, yep. So basically, a lot of uh, market research and customer insights. So let's tackle this from one other angle. Are you today in your career where you thought you would be when you were younger? Not in the slightest bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I think that's due to a lot of factors. Like I remember when I was a kid, my mom shows me sometimes I have like a yearbook from fifth grade where we were all asked to say, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" and People wrote, you know, teacher, fireman, police officer. Um, and I wrote prosecuting attorney. I was definitely the only fifth grader who got that granular. Yeah. Um, and I think that was that was shaped by a lot of the current events going on at the time. Um, and, you know, for a while, I thought maybe law school, in high school and early college, I was very involved in my newspaper and I thought journalism. And just kind of by sheer experiences and different coursework, I just shifted gears a lot. Um, I went to NYU, so I was really fortunate that I got to do a ton of internships while I was in college. Yep. Um, I did everything from PR to TV editing, uh, worked at TV networks, worked in magazines. Um, and then I wound up getting my master's in election and campaign management, um, thinking I wanted to do political communication. So. Right definitely a a different path than where I am now. And when I was getting my master's, I took a research class in political polling and fell in love with research. And it was one of those things that I didn't even know it existed as a field up until that point. Let's go back for a second. So being a a prosecutor, 
what were the events that were happening at the time that was making you want to do that? Just on a grander scale, the O.J. Simpson trial was everywhere. And I kind of took in current events, even as a fifth grader. I remember just being obsessed with the trial uh-huh. and watching the, the lawyers. And I just was really taken by that, um, not knowing much else beyond that. Yeah. Um, so that, that kind of shaped me as a fifth grader. Yeah. And, the, and how long would you say that you sort of held on to this idea of being a lawyer? It was always in the back of my head as law school is kind of a, a good, safe path um, following college. Uh, you know, it's, it's stable, that, that profession isn't going anywhere, um, and that idea of stability is something that really appeals to me and is important. Uh-huh. So I think it was always an option, but at the end of the day, I mean, I never went into college and went down a pre-law track. Yep. So... It never came to to fruition, but it was always there as kind of a, this is a a backup plan. When you're having this idea, is that something that you are then spending time talking about in your family with your parents? Um, So my grandfather on my mother's side was a judge. Um, I didn't get to know him, but so the idea of the legal profession, I guess, in some facet was present in my family. And I'm sure it was probably talked about at some point and seemed like a good path. Um, but I would say, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate in that my parents never really pushed me in a direction. They kind of just encouraged me, you know, get yep. good grades and figure out what makes you happy. Um, so they, we never had, I don't think, a lot of conversations around, what do you want to do? Let's figure out this path. And can you tell me what it is that your parents do or did? Sure. Um, so my mom stayed at home. She was a housewife. And I think her being a stay-at-home mom, I always tell her, um, in a lot of ways, it makes me feel guilty because I loved having her home. And we have a great relationship because of that. Yeah. And I don't know that I can do that. Um, but, I mean, she made it look easy. And I, I know it is a very difficult job. And then my dad was in telecommunications, um, basically setting up infrastructure for large companies, for their telephone systems. So um, really kind of no, no strong pull from either of them to get into a, a certain type of occupation. Any other ideas of how they uh, might have impacted you, either explicitly or implicitly? The fact that they didn't push me in a direction gave me that flexibility to kind of be nimble and make all those shifts. Um, I have plenty of friends that I know, they're doctors, for instance, and they knew from a young age, you have to go the pre-med track. Um, And since they didn't, didn't impose that on me, I think, you know, when I went into college, I went in thinking, I'm going to be a journalism major. And after my freshman year, when I decided that wasn't what I wanted, they never said, think about this twice. You might be making a mistake. They kind of just trusted my instincts. And, you know, even in my past, as I've changed careers, I've changed jobs many times. Um, they've never said, you know, think twice about it. They've just trusted me. And I think that's given me some confidence to, to be more flexible. And Allison, have you today landed on a path that you feel is your path? I I think I have. I mean, ever since I 
graduated and got my master's, all of my positions, and I've had probably six or seven maybe now, uh-huh. have all been in market research and customer insight. So, um, and I've kind of grown in each position. So I definitely feel like I have carved out my my path in that way. Yep. It's just a matter of the types of industries and the types of companies um, and growing now uh, along that path. What is it that drives you in terms of research and insights? I think what I like about research and insights is that, as I said before, I'm really about stability. Um, I like things that have an order to them. So there's definitely um, an order within the research process in terms of you get a business question, you have to brainstorm a methodology to try and address that question, you get data back, you analyze it, you tell a story. So there's an order within that um, that's very appealing to me, but there's still an element of you don't know what the customer is going to say. And going back to my interest in journalism, there's definitely a huge storytelling element to research and getting it across to people who may not understand it. Thinking back on your career, Allison, so far, what would you say have been the biggest aggravations? I think I spent probably the first seven or so years on the agency side and just recently moved over to the client side. So I think for me, understanding client service um, it was a great skill and I'm glad I spent as much time as I did on the agency side I got great experience um, made great connections and I think it has made me the researcher I am today Um, but there's a definite skill in client service that is different from a research skill Um, and it, it forces you to really push yourself outside your comfort zone I'd say I'm generally I'm definitely an introverted person outside of the workplace. Yep. Uh, and when you're in a client-facing role, you you have to stretch yourself. Um, so I don't know if it's an aggravation, but it's definitely been the the biggest challenge for me. Got it. And Allison, where just jumping around for a second, but where um, what did you go to college for? I went to college. I went in thinking I was going to be a journalism major. I'd come out of high school as the editor of my paper. Uh-huh. I was really excited to be on my college paper. Um, and that was kind of my, my vision. And I think shortly after starting, I, I kind of saw the reality of what journalism was. Uh-huh. And again, going back to the idea of liking stability, um, seeing how much the industry was shifting, I didn't know if it was going to be long-term for me. Let me ask you this question. On a scale of 0 to 10, where 0 is a total non-issue and 10 is a big, dark, gloomy shadow, how large a shadow would you say that financial considerations have had over your career path to date? I don't want to say a 10, so I'll say a 9, but it's okay. definitely, it is it is high up there for me. Um yeah, it's definitely a consideration. I would say just partly being an only child, partly just growing up. Um, I just, I want to know that I'm stable financially. I also want to know that I'm in control of my career. I've always been someone who I've shifted a lot over the years. And a lot of those shifts were if I was at a company and I kind of saw the writing on the wall, like, 
it looks like they're, you know, they're not doing well, or there might be a lot of change. I kind of, it's kind of a joke among my friends. I'm always the first to kind of jump ship and get myself out of that situation uh-huh. <laughs> uh, for better or for worse. Right. Why, why do you think that is? I think it's because I partly I've seen, you know, I mentioned my dad was in telecommunications. Yeah. That's an industry that has undergone a rapid change um, and has impacted his career trajectory. Yeah. Um, I think that has definitely loomed on me. I think being an only child and thinking about the future and making sure that I'm supported and my family supported. Um, I think those probably have weighed, weighed heavily on me. You go to college for journalism. You come out of college. You see that journalism is not for you. What happens next? Um, so I kind of realized that pretty early on in college, and I made a conscious decision. I actually transferred within NYU since it's such a big school. I transferred schools within NYU to allow myself um, to take a more independent course selection, which allowed me the opportunity to have lots of internships for credit. Um, And kind of even from, I'd say my sophomore year on, I was interning every summer, every semester. Uh, I just wanted to get as much experience under my belt as possible. So coming out, I had built a good resume and I had a closer vision of what I wanted. So through those internships, that's when you started to get uh, introduced to research and insights? Yeah. So like I, for instance, had a great internship at CNN. I'm obsessed with TV, pop culture, or media. That is just like a, a side obsession of mine. Uh-huh. And I thought, this is the dream. This is the dream internship. And I really quickly realized TV production, not for me for a variety of reasons, but because I had that experience while I was in college, it allowed me not to necessarily make that misstep coming out. Um, and, you know, even in TV production, I had to do research for stories. When I did my PR internships, I was doing research to inform press releases. Um, and then when I got my master's was when I took an actual research and statistics class. Yep. That kind of solidified things for me. When you're at CNN and you realize that TV production is not for you, what is it about TV production that was not for you? I did a lot of logging tape. I did a lot of the, you know, grunt work that you do as an intern. Right. Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, I went into college thinking I wanted to do journalism. I, I think, you know, one strength I have, I think I'm good with the written word. Um, when I have time to really think something through and put pen to paper, I'd say I'm stronger at that than maybe like a visual or audio communication. Yeah. Um, And especially when you're producing a nightly television show, you don't have that luxury um, to sit down and really think about, about those types of things. Um, And I also think the, the schedule, I definitely, I am a workaholic. Um, In recent years, I've learned to turn that back a little bit, but in that industry, there's no turning that back at all just because of, breaking news and deadlines and the way it operates. You do seem to have a really clear sense of this is not for me, this is for me. When would you say you developed sort of your benchmarks? So it's funny because 
I think in my work life, I am very definitive. I, and people have said this, I'm very definitive. I, I have my gut reaction and I kind of just go with it uh-huh. and not necessarily that way outside of work. I think I put all that energy into making those work decisions that I become infinitely more indecisive outside of that. Uh-huh. Um, but I think for me, and again, I think it goes back to my parents giving me that confidence to just kind of trust my instincts. And, you know, they, they gave me that. And then from there, I mean, I was at one job where about a weekend, I kind of just, something wasn't sitting right with me. And it was, it's not like me to just quit something. I, that is not in me. Yep. And I just knew it wasn't right. And I left after about two or three months. And definitely some people were like, she's, you know, gone off the deep end. And I took a couple weeks and really kind of reflected. And that led me to my next position where I was there for almost four years. And it was one of the most defining experiences in my career. So I just, I think it's that confidence they gave me. And I just kind of trust my gut when it comes to that kind of stuff. We spend too much time at work to be unhappy in in that setting. So can you tell us a little bit more, what does listening to your gut feel like or how do you how do you do that? It's funny because I say anyone who's on my team at work will probably say I say trust your gut to them uh-huh. several times a week. Like when they come to me with a question, I'm like, what is your gut telling you? Because that's probably the right decision. Yep. Um and they probably hate that I say that because it's not helpful. Um, <laughs> it, it's just kind of this nagging feeling like when I come home and I am not feeling fulfilled, I'm not feeling happy. I, I feel like whether it's the, the for me, a big piece of it is kind of the, the workplace environment and the culture. Yep. Um, if I can be myself. Um, and I've been places where I am fully myself. I, I feel comfortable being quirky. I feel comfortable telling people, you know, I'm a very picky eater. Uh-huh. I've kind of used that as a gauge when I'm in a workplace where people look at me funny for being a picky eater. Yep. I know it's the silliest thing, but I, I feel like I can't be myself around these people. This probably isn't the right environment for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, even where I am now, I've only been here a few months, but we had a team dinner a couple weeks ago, and I was nervous. It was the first time I was going to order in front of the team, and everyone just was super, you know, I knew they would be because I I feel like I'm myself here, but it was kind of that last little test for me, Uh and everyone was totally fine with it, and they didn't understand why it would be weird at all, and that kind of was my last check mark that I'm in the right place for me right now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. And so then you mentioned that you used your gut to leave that job after a couple of months and then you went to a job where you stayed for four years and it was one of the most defining of your career. Why, what made it so defining? When I started in that position, I was, I came in as a senior analyst. So I was relatively junior still. Um, but over those years, um, I got promoted several times. I eventually had a, a large team under me. I was managing, um, you know, six-figure, seven-figure uh, clients. I, I was operating pretty independently, and I felt like I was working 
I was meeting my clients' needs from a work perspective. I had a team under me that I really genuinely cared for everyone who reported in to me, and I still keep in touch with them. One of them I brought along with me to my new position. Um, I felt like I was making an impact there. I felt like from a workplace and culture perspective, it was a small enough company that I was able to start new company initiatives. Um, And I just, and I I grew a lot personally and professionally over those years. Sounds like you're firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I think I I was, which was a great thing. Um, And it gave me the confidence, you know, as I said, I've been agency side for a really long time. Yep. I always knew I wanted to go client side, but never really felt like I was quite at the right stage where I was senior enough. And, that, you know, I left there with the confidence that I could make this kind of somewhat significant shift. Yeah. And would you say that that experience, that defining experience is now a benchmark in your mind for all kind of current and future experiences? It, it is in in some ways and mm-hmm. other ways. I think it was the right position for me at that time. Yep. Um, in that, I I think I worked a lot, and that I enjoyed it at that time. Where I say, you know, I'm a workaholic. I don't mind that, and that a lot of times is the culture of just being at an agency because you are in a client service role. Um. And I kind of got myself to a point where I felt confident in where I was in my career, my personal life, that I didn't feel like I needed to be in that kind of work around the clock environment to still be successful. Got it. So I don't, you know, I think it was more of a right place, right time. Yep. Um, And I'm still close with a lot of people there. And I always joke. Um, if I ever went back to an agency, I'd, I'd go back there in a heartbeat, but I don't think I will ever go back to an agency. Allison, looking back on your career uh, to date and thinking about your friends, family, and colleagues, is there a consistent thread in the type of advice or counsel that people have sought from you throughout the years? So I'd say probably if you talk to a lot of my friends, what they would joke about is, Again, for better or for worse, because I've made so many, you know, major and minor shifts over the years, um, I think I've, I've kind of, I don't want to say mastered, but I've definitely gotten a strong sense of what makes for a good resume, what makes for a good interviewing, how to find yourself, um, just job, job searching and securing a job yeah. uh, is something I'd say I, I think I'm pretty good at. And a lot of my friends kind of joke to me that I should kind of do that on the side. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I could do it for just anyone, but like when it comes to my friends, I love looking at their resumes. I love prepping them for interviews. Um, and that's definitely something that a lot of people kind of come to me for over the years. Could you not do that on a grander scale for others if you like this idea of mentoring folks? I think there's something to be said for these are my, my friends who I, I know them. I feel invested in them. Yep. Um, I have that connection. I, you know, to kind of, I don't know that I could look at someone's resume who I don't really know that well and get to, you know, be able to really tell their story in a way that is truly compelling. Like I, 
I know who my friends are well enough that I can inject a little bit of that yep. into telling their story for them. Got it. Um, you've also said the words a couple of times for better or worse when describing <laughs> your moves or your or your or decisions. Can you? What do you mean by that? What's what's the better? What's the worse? Thinking again to that position where I didn't stay long. I, I took a big risk in having that on my resume and having to tell my story and basically say, I went to this place, I was there for 60, 90 days, and it didn't work out. And it, it puts you, you know, at that moment, it feels like the biggest deal in the world. Like I put myself in this position. Now people are going to think I'm a job hopper. Right. Um, they're not going to take the time to really get to understand me. So I think in those moments, it seems like the worst thing. Yep. But now looking back and knowing you know, it's kind of like hindsight's twenty twenty. It, it all worked out. Right. So it worked out for the better. Um, so I think it's that kind of short-term versus long-term outlook a little bit. Looking back on the career to date, any particular highlights that you'd tout? You know, when I was at my last agency position and I kind of had that freedom to, to build some strong client relationships, yep. to me, it was a highlight when I felt like I owned a client relationship. They didn't feel like they needed to go to a partner in the company. They would, you know, my first few months, my first year there, I was kind of seen as the the analyst who did the work but wasn't really the thinker. Yep. Um, and when I was able to get my clients to see me in a different light, um, that, that hmm, I think that's really kind of a turning point for me. And, I pride myself in those relationships and the fact that I don't work for those clients anymore and we still have relationships and, and they don't, they see me as kind of a, a thought partner. Yep. To me, that's kind of one highlight. Um, I think the other highlight, just going back to the, the idea of mentoring, um, whenever I've been able to get someone on my team promoted or even now when I, you know, brought, was able to bring someone who I used to work with on board to my team now, it's kind of a personal high for me knowing that they enjoyed working with me so much that they want to come with me to a new, a new adventure and are trusting me with kind of this next step in their career. And then last question for you here, Allison, knowing what you know today, how would you advise your younger self? Not to worry nearly as much, not to sweat the small stuff. Uh -huh. um, I am, I'm a worrier. Um, and I definitely, you know, my mom and dad would always say to me, I was the first one to be like, okay, I'm in first grade. What's second grade going to be like? And always thinking about what's that next thing going to be like? Yep. Um, and that's, you know, early in my career, I was always, when am I going to get the promotion? What again, going back to when am I going to get the Blackberry? That was, I think for the first couple of years of my career, I really felt like that was oh, when they need to contact me at any time of day. That's how I know I've made it, um, which is definitely a different perspective now. Right. Um, so I think I would tell myself not to uh, not to not to worry about needing that kind of next step and that next level of affirmation in that way. Because um, it's going to work out. Allison Slotnick, really, really great conversation. I really appreciate it. It's um, uh, particularly appreciate you being so forthcoming about it. It was great talking to you, Gareth. Thanks. 
thank you for tuning into this episode of Our Authentic Careers with me, your host, Gert Sabar. If you like what you just heard, I hope you'll let your family, friends, and colleagues know all about this little podcast. And since it's early days here at the OAC, your rating, and especially your review of the show on iTunes would also be hugely helpful and very much appreciated. If you think you or someone you know would be a great guest, please, 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 please don't hesitate to reach out at ourauthenticcareers.com. 